Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Stephen and I are together again in the Cleveland studio. How's it going, man? Good. Not uh, not driving this time, so that's yeah. good. No. Uh, so this time, if he's yelling at someone, it's not another driver. It's me. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, Although we didn't have any any outbursts last time. No, Although, we didn't. there's one thing that we need to talk about, and this is old, and I meant to talk about it a while ago. Um, but you, sir, owe me an apology. For? Because when I was not here and we had a guest, you, uh, you said some things about me that were not accurate uh, or true, and we need to set the record straight. Fair. All right. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Good. I did misrepresent what you said. Um, the issue was uh, when um, Chuck yeah. Schumer and Nancy Pelosi put on Kinty cloths. You and I had a discussion before the show where I was very critical. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Explain what you said on the on the pre on the show with the guest. On the show with the guest, I said that you came after me when I called out Nancy Pelosi and uh, Chuck Schumer for that for, stunt. What's that for that for stunt. that stunt? Yes, yes. And then when we recorded, you were very. <laughs> that was very much not what you said. Okay. I, and and you gave and and so I went back and re-listened to. It. I actually dug it up, <laughs> and you basically said it's a stunt. It's annoying. It's fake. What you and I had gotten into a disagreement before the show, and I let that carry over to my recollection, which was incorrect. So, apology offered. Yeah, it. it and the the disagreement before the show was just that you didn't know what a kinty cloth was. Correct. Right. And, and I think I called it an African scarf or something like. Yeah, that. and I just thought it was interesting, just because they kinty cloths became very popular in the eighties and the in the nineties. Um, and so I just, it, you know, yeah, it would have yeah, been right I mean, in your wheelhouse of, of times of things, but I guess, you know, in, in, in very white suburban Buffalo, it right. exactly catch a lot of, uh, huh. catch a lot of wind sails, but I do apologize for misrepresenting you. Yeah. And I meant to bring that up a few shows ago, so it, it doesn't quite have the same, uh, I guess impact, but yeah. you know, I think we get a lot of regular listeners. Um, yeah. Um, when I'm not here, you got to represent me better. No, I, well, I'm look, I fucked up. Usually, I do a very good job. I think of representing you and, and, yeah. and keeping you, you know, your, um, you know, typical stances in the show. This time, I fucked up. I apologize. That's all right. All right. So, um, Trump has announced he's running, as you've been predicting for a while, and I conceded a couple weeks, I don't know, six weeks ago, whatever it was. He almost has to, because as soon as he says he's not running, he's irrelevant, and he can't fundraise. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I would argue that he probably jumped the gun a little bit early. Um, I understand why he's doing it. Um, he is doing it because of DeSantis, right? Right. Um, I think, you know, the way DeSantis won his race for governor... Um, you know, pretty much just, you know... Uh, he crushed Chris. Yeah. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't close. And Florida overall, you know, was a pretty pretty much a sweep for Republicans. Um, while the rest of the country didn't perform all that well, 
or the Republicans in the rest of the country didn't perform all that well, um, considering the environment, right? Um, you know, Biden's approval numbers are down. People's overall right. approval of Democrats is not high, and yet they were able to, you know, basically maintain control of the Senate, and they may even pick up a seat. Uh, along with, while they did lose the House um, by a very slim margin. Right. Um, now that. You know, keeping control of the Senate is important and gaining a seat, if they can, with Warnock in Georgia um, would, definitely be, uh, would, would definitely be a move up. Uh, you know, losing the House when, you know, by a slim margin when it was expected to be a large margin, um, you know, it goes into that sort of moral victory category. Right. Um, you know, you're still going to have Kevin McCarthy or someone, right, uh, as Speaker of the House, and there's, you know, there's a lot of division right now in the Republican Party, um, you know, that relates to Trump, right? Uh, the Trump loyalists want a Trump loyalist in the Speaker seat, um, while the rest of the party is like, we kind of need to move on from Trump. We need somebody who is, you know, thinking about the the bigger picture and not going to gripe about 2020 and and, you know, move the Republican Party forward. Which I don't think that person is necessarily Kevin McCarthy, but Kevin McCarthy is one of those people who seems to be willing to do whatever it takes to stay relevant and he's, stay in power. He's flexible. Right. <laughs> Let's call him flexible. In, in terms of moral victories and, and reading the tea leaves, the Lauren Boebert race was the real one in my mind. The fact that we didn't know if she won until earlier this week was shocking given the demographics of her or the whatever the layout of her district well so, i still don't think she actually has won i think that race has come down to like five you know what i think votes. you're right i think it's technically got to go to a mandatory yeah. recount so i think it goes to a mandatory recount more to my point right um or or a runoff or something like that but i, I mean either way um so anyway finish your thought there well no just you, you kind of strengthened my thought that the fact that the trump message is st is stumbling is really indicated by the fact that bobert who could not be more up Trump's ass in a, in a district that is considered a slam dunk is now within 500 votes. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't go with the monolithic approach, right? I, I think that says something for that area. I don't think you okay. can, you know, because if you look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, one, no problem. Right. All of Florida went to Marco Rubio, kept his seat. You know, DeSantis sure. blew Chris out of the water. Um, you know, all the races in Florida basically went, you know, as expected. Um, you know, two Republicans, unless it was already a, a, a Democratic stronghold. Ohio, J.D. Vance is a yeah, senator now. Come on now. Um, you know, DeWine won re-election. Um, you know, Jim Jordan kept his seat. Uh, you know, I, there, okay. you know, now That's look, fair. there, there are other signs though, you know, Carrie Lake was a huge Trump supporter, uh, election denier. She's, you know, she lost her race pretty significantly and is somehow trying to make an argument about fraud. Um, there's a really disturbing video about people in Maricopa County going to, uh, like a town hall meeting and expressing their concerns about the election. Um, I think it, I saw some of those videos. Yeah, just screaming. I, I, yeah, it was just it was really bizarre, um, and and it was it's disturbing, right? That I mean, these are grown ass adults who vote, 
Yeah. Um, and I think even, you know, I mean, I saw on, on Twitter even some people, you know, even some conservatives, some Trump supporters looking at this group like, you guys aren't helping our cause, you know. So um, I, so I think to your, to your point, I think we, we have seen some signs. We've seen plenty of signs that the Trump message um, is starting to fall on deaf ears. Um, and I think the biggest sign, really, uh, aside from, you know, some of these races that were lost, um, because you had a lot of governors and secretaries of state who were, you know, big uh, anti-election or election who deniers. were big uh, election deniers, who were big Trump supporters, and almost all of them, I believe, lost. Yeah, a ton of them lost. So I think in terms of a sign, um, that's a bigger sign. You know, Boebert, Boebert did nothing for her, 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 uh, her constituents. Um, you know, she brought no bills to the floor. She brought no money into the state. Like she did nothing. <laughs> and, she, and she looked like a lunatic, right? I mean, she had the police got called to her house because her husband was chasing people down with a truck or some weird. Yeah, shit. there was. Yeah, I mean, and there was the, you know, the story coming out about her being possibly an escort. There were. There, I mean, there was. Listen, there was a lot. Um, and what's, I think, what is disturbing though, is all the shit with her. Right. Aside from her message, right, that she's putting out there. Aside from the fact she didn't do anything from her consistent her constituents. Aside from the fact that she had all this drama outside of politics, just going on personally, and she was still that close. And she's still probably going to win. Right. Like she's still either you know going to win or have to have a recount or a runoff or something like that. You know. I mean, same thing with Herschel Walker. Right. I mean, right. the guy. You know, Dave Chappelle that is said he is observedly stupid. That was such a great right. Line. I mean, which is dead on accurate, <laughs> and yet this dude is in a is in a runoff for yeah. U.S. senator. Yeah, right. Um, it's easy to be a quack in the House because you get gerrymandered districts. When we're talking statewide in Herschel's case, yeah. So that's <laughs> right. Again, I mean, point. like you know, so I mean, I I think that you know, there's still there's still room. For the ridiculousness that is MAGA and Trump and everything else, um, but obviously it's fading. But I think the biggest, really, sort of sign that the Trump message is falling on deaf ears, um, and the number of those deaf ears is growing, is that Rupert Murdoch, uh, who owns Fox News, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, and you know, um, you know, various other, various other media outlets, uh, has told Trump directly that he that you know, the, the performance of Republicans uh, in the midterms falls on Trump, that Trump's message of 2020 being stolen from him um, needs to go away. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that he told Trump is that, you know, his media outlets will no longer be, you know, supporting him, advocating for him. They will be putting their energy and support behind Ron DeSantis. Yeah, and DeSantis, I think... I mean, he, now, this is not rumor mill. This is no, what this is, Rupert, yeah. Mar Rupert Murdoch told Donald Trump directly, right? On, you know, like, really good sources from people yep. that I know and people in the media that, that, are, that are in the know. Yep. Um, so I think that, that is the giant red flag in MAGA world that um, has to be concerning. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how Sean Hannity uh, tailors his message because he's been an 
unapologetic uh, Trump bootlicker the entire race, the entire, you know, from 2015 on. Um, and his boss is Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Um, now, but Fox News always had a weird dynamic, just the, the actual news channel, because all they care about is ratings, first of all. And when Roger Ailes was still alive, Roger Ailes and Rupert Murdoch did not like each other. Um, I was always under the opinion that they were two peas in a pod. That was not the case. So I, I'm, I won't be surprised if they give Hannity free reign to keep doing what he's doing as long as his ratings stay high. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, if the entire network is, is sort of, you know, turning the boat a little bit, I mean, I think you'll see uh, Hannity's rhetoric for Trump die down a little bit. Now, I think it won't be that big of a transition, right? Because DeSantis is going to be saying and doing a lot of some very Trump-esque sort of things, I think, um, especially as you get closer to 2024. Um, but it... it as the the fissure between DeSantis and Trump grows, it will be interesting to see. Like, because Hannity is really the last stronghold, right, on Fox. Right. Uh, Laura Ingram has come out and said that they need to move sure. on. Um, you know, the morning crew over there at Fox is, you know, kind they've, of yeah, they've definitely gotten. You know, they, they they've moved on and sort of, you know, have really kind of even before the midterms were starting to question the Carrie Lakes and the really. Uh, far out there candidates. Um, so you, you, you can you can see where that's going. Um, you know, and, and, and if Hannity is the last stronghold, then, then so be it. Um, I, I don't think Murdoch will give that much of a shit, like you said, as long as his ratings stay high. Um, but, you know, Hannity l lobbed on to Trump because he saw an opportunity, just like Steve Bannon did. Right. Um, now, are they... Are, are, is Trent, so... Are we trying to say that Hannity is actually loyal to Trump, right? Or, or yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, because I, I just think if it looks like DeSantis is going to win this thing going away, um, it would not surprise me at all if Hannity completely forgot about Trump, right? And then kind of started lobbying the same sort of energy and praise towards DeSantis, right? I no, mean, that wouldn't it, shock me either. You know, I mean, and you can do it relatively easily. Right. I mean, because it's not like they're going to come out and say, oh, I was wrong about Trump and, you know, Trump was a flawed blah, blah, blah. No, they'll just do this. They'll just make the switch. They won't talk. They'll just talk right. about he'll just talk about Trump less and less. Right. And then at no point in time will he ever have to be held accountable or explain, you know, why he's making this transit or whatever. It'll just sort of naturally happen. Um, and it will be interesting. What's more interesting really is, you know, the people who support Donald Trump, right? Because, you know, they were getting a lot of their information from Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, all that other stuff. So then if Fox makes this big transition over to DeSantis, and you're starting to see more and more conservative media outlets make that transition as well, because I think there's still some like, uh, uh, um, what's his name, Mark Levin, who will go hard for Trump for a while. I mean, because right now, DeSantis has plenty of time. Right. I mean, he's just coming off a, a big victory for for governor. Um, he's got to rebuild the state of Florida after Hurricane Ian and, and uh, the hurricane before that, Maria, I think. Um, so he has legitimate shit on his plate. And it looks like he's focusing on that for now. I could see DeSantis probably waiting until well after the holidays, you know, maybe into the spring to make his announcement that he's going to run. Um, because there's no rush, and DeSantis, 
among uh, has a giant war chest, right? In terms of when it comes to money, he just ran for governor, right? And stacked up a shit ton of money. So it's not like he need you know like Trump. Now Trump has a shit ton of money that he's been collecting since really 2015. right yeah <laughs> since 2015 so i mean i think DeSantis is in a boat where he's ahead of everyone else who's going to try to jump in this race whether it's mike pence or you know some of the other larry hogan who's on hope yeah for, but. Uh, yeah which I, I feel bad for you on that one like larry hogan doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell um and i would be surprised Does if pence <laughs> no okay <laughs> pence doesn't but pence really, really thinks he does, right? Which is, you know, he's got this book out, he's doing this tour, he did a town hall on CNN. Um, you know, it's, it's it, you know, he hasn't said that he's going to run, but he's saying all the, oh, well, my people are going to look into it, I have to talk about it with my family. Right. And, you know, I think there's going to be other candidates that I'd, you know, rather vote for. Like, he's, he's throwing all the hints out. Um, I think Pence strongly believes that he's got a chance he doesn't, but, <laughs> okay. you know, he believes it. So, you know, Larry Hogan, I think, just has a little bit more common sense and recognizes this is probably not going to be the race for him. The only reason I think he might jump in is because I think he genuinely believes that the soul of the Republican Party has been ripped out and that he can put it back. And he was a uh, Republican governor for the state of Maryland, which is generally a Democratic state. Mm-hmm. And having spent the last six months in Baltimore... People I talked to out there about politics, regardless of whether they were Democrats or Republicans, really respected and liked Larry Hogan. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, if the if the Democratic Party put Joe Biden back on the ticket with Kamala Harris and Larry Hogan with a sane running mate, I'm probably voting Republican. Again, I, I, look, I had it not been Trump running against Biden and had it been a Republican that wasn't just an awful human, then I probably, like, I did not want Joe Biden to be president. Made that clear. Right? And after Kamala Harris's just disastrous presidential run, I didn't want her (laughs) anywhere near the White House. Right? My vote in 2020 was against Donald Trump. Period, point blank, the end. Right? It was, you know, it was, if this guy is in, right, then he, he is a danger, literally, to our republic and to our democracy. My vote wasn't because I thought Joe Biden was a good candidate. Joe Biden is not a good candidate. I don't believe that he's a good president. I don't believe that Kamala Harris is a good VP. I think his his entire administration is dog shit. Now they have accomplished some good things. I will I not. Say they, I will not discredit them on that. They have accomplished some good things, right? I think the infrastructure bill was was good. I think they've done some things, um, you know, in in the insurance world um, for prescriptions. Um, I'm sure there's some other things in there, uh, one or two others, but like they, they've got, they definitely have some wins, right? But I don't think those are because it was the Biden Harris administration. I think those are things that could have gotten done with any Democrat in there who was willing to, to put the work in to get them done. Um, you know, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving, you know, I, I, Biden did his job as president this time around, but he's going to be 80 years old soon. Um, oh, yeah. He, he and, cannot run again. He and cannot. it's, look, if you want to say it's ageism, then fine. It's ageism. But I don't want the guy in the White House. Um, it, it's obviously, it's obvious. Like, listen, is he doing good for an 80-year-old guy? Sure. Yeah. But 
I, 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 there's a lot of things I wouldn't want him doing at his age and in his current state. Cycling would be one of them. Uh, okay. Sorry, easy joke. But um, I just I, I'm 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 done with him as president. And if he runs again, if he's that un unaware of if he's that unself aware, right? Then if there is a better option on the Republican side, like a Larry Hogan or someone that has a chance, then they may get my vote as well, right? Like I just I you know I mean I. I don't think that he will step aside and let somebody else take a stab at it. Um, and this here's the problem. Historically, we're we're in a <laughs> we're in a tough position, right? Because historically, if he steps down and another Republican, you know, you you do the whole thing with you know, you get four or five Republicans or D- Democrats running. Um, historically, they the, the the replacements don't do well, right? Incumbents, for some reason, do way too well in this country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, can Biden get reelected? I mean, I think if you go Biden versus Trump, it's a 50-50 shot, right? You know, because a lot of people are like, oh, we did it last time. We could do it again. Like, well, probably. Well, and, and to say Biden's too old for it, well, Trump is 76. Right. He's I, I mean, like, look, I, I, I don't want either of those people anywhere near the White House. Um, and if I'm forced to choose between Biden and Trump again, well, again, it's going to be a vote against Trump, um, which means that I got to vote for Biden and, and Harris or whoever his running mate is, um, uh, which I would I would hold my nose and do, uh, but I don't want to do that. So hopefully right. we don't have to, but it, you know, is pointing towards us having to. We I, w- I want to um, touch on two things really quickly because they're not going to be going anywhere, but. It's worth acknowledging we're aware of it. So a special prosecutor has been named uh, to investigate Trump um, related to the document uh, issue, right? It's not January 6th. That's a whole separate committee. Yeah, this special prosecutor is, is solely for uh, the investigation around the, the, um, the documents that were taken from the White House, uh, the you know presidential documents right. and the confidential documents that were taken from the White House. Um, improperly stored at Mar-a-Lago on his floor, uh, <laughs> and uh, then the obstruction um, that occurred thereafter. So that's what this focus is, and obviously Trump has come out and railed against it and said that it's, it's vindictive and a witch. I mean, standard Trump, anytime he's uh, being looked at for anything that he's involved in. Um, I, I think it's an interesting move. It's a smart move by Merrick Garland that he's not going to get really a lot of credit for. Um you know, Republicans are going to say that, you know, like this is, it doesn't change anything and that it's so, it's still solely political. Uh, you know, and Democrats are going to say, you should have indicted him already. Uh, I think it's a smart move because it does bring in, you know, an objective third party. Uh, now, again, because this is happening under the Biden administration, they're going to say it's not objective and that it's all Biden, even though that this investigation isn't new and started almost, you know, like, and listen, this investigation isn't new and it started almost right when he left the White House when he took the documents out of the White House, right? Right. Like, and the argument isn't that he did, whether he did or didn't do it, like, we know he took the documents out of his house or out of the White House. Yes. And that they were at his house. And we know that he shouldn't have done that, right? And we know that he tried to 
prevent the Department of Justice, right, from getting those documents back based off of his communication with them back and forth. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. These are the terms, blah, 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 going back and forth, reneging. And then the DOJ finally just saying, all right, fine, we're coming to take them. Right. And then there's 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 debates or, or there's uh, uh, issues with, you know, who signed what, whether it was his attorney or did he know? Or not. Like, so there's plenty of there there. Right. For this. So this whole idea that it's a witch hunt. No, it's not a witch hunt. Now, the question is, is this something that we want to prosecute a former president for? And I don't know. In a very volatile time, it's a very difficult question. Now, that shouldn't come into play. No, it's a difficult question, period. You're talking about levying charges um, against a former U.S. president. And it's coming from the uh, administration that followed, d- d- that, that, that followed him immediately, you know, that followed, that followed him immediately after, right? Well, why does that matter? Because... We, we have shown in the last 20 years that as, as a society, we are petty as fuck, <laughs> right? And yeah. so it's like, oh, well, you did it to Trump. Then, then, oh. then as soon as Biden gets out, then we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna indict him for something. Well, this leads right? It right into the, the fact that the Republicans now control the House, gives them the ability to form investigative committees, and they've made it clear they're going to go after Hunter Biden, which Hunter Biden, we've talked about a bunch of times, is a disaster as a person. And if he's guilty of something, fine, go after him. Now, if he's guilty of something in Ukraine, I don't see why our, you know, justice system would be going after something that was done in Ukraine. Well, the the whatever he did in Ukraine, right? Chances are it involves some sort of money laundering or tax fraud. And and that's and and those are the those those are okay. the things that they're that they're looking at. And I've said this I don't know how many times. Go get him. I don't, I don't really give a shit. I don't. I, does it revol- Does it invo- Does it need a congressional event? No, just send the DOJ. Just uh, whatever. I don't right. care. I mean, it's Hunter Biden. Like, listen, I give no shits about Hunter Biden. He's an addict, right? I feel bad that you know. I mean, I'm sure he's got some mental health concerns and he's depressed because his mom and his brother, uh, and again, he's an addict and his. You know, I'm sure he views himself as a failure. All those things, terrible. But he's also made some really stupid decisions, uh, both as addicts often do. Yeah, I mean, whether they're political or for pre- uh, personal financial gain, uh, throwing his dad's name around, throwing his last name around, getting his uncle involved. Okay, then uh, again, if he did those things, go fucking yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I agree. I right, cannot and give a here's shit. the deal. If if you can if you can make a strong direct tie, right where Hunter Biden has his dad on the phone and he's like, "Hey, Dad, look, I secured a billion dollars from China, right, and it's going to go into an offshore account with your name and my name on it." And Joe Biden's like, "Good job, son. Great. We're going to live off that money and go start our own drug cartel in Venezuela." Okay, then take Joe Biden down as well. But short of a smoking gun that directly links. Joe Biden, other than the fact that it's his son, right? Like, right. I mean, if, if you've got Joe Biden on the phone just telling it, like, because people want to argue, like, oh, well, listen to these conversations where Joe Biden is comforting his son, and what what else could it mean? Right. Like, well, what it means is that Joe Biden is a dad, and his son is an addict, and he knows his son is an idiot, and he just wants his son to be better, right? Like, he him con- consoling his son or asking his son if he needs help or what he needs isn't 
Joe Biden saying, hey, I'm good with you doing with, with you laundering money and, and, and committing tax fraud. He's just a dad trying to take care of his son. And so there, there's and there's a difference there. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. If you want to like if you're going to waste tax money on investigating Hunter Biden with the congressional committee. OK, so be it. Right. I mean, I, I think it's horseshit, but fine. Yeah. Right. I don't I really don't care. Like, I'm not going to get up in arms about it. Go ahead. Fucking do it. Hang him out to dry. Um, but even once you do, the only thing is like, yeah, you've hurt Joe Biden as a father and as a man because, you know, he's watching his son. Basically, he's going to watch his son get aired out right in front of him. There's nothing he can do to stop it if he's smart. Um you know, and will that have a, a an impact on Joe Biden and his electability? Maybe I don't know. Um, I don't really care about that because right, I don't know how many. I don't know. Don't I don't know how many people that voted for Joe Biden would all of a sudden be like, "Oh, well, I can't vote for him now because his son's an idiot." <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, and I don't like the fact that his his son is kind of being dragged into it this way. But Hunter Biden put himself in this position. And Hunter Biden is not, it's not like Sasha and Malia, uh, Obama's kids, kids yeah. who were, who are legitimately kids, right? Just now kind of getting into college in these last couple of years right. or even the Bush twins, right? right. Um, you know, I mean like they, they're, they're probably the most two prominent, uh, you know, of, of, of the president. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, even, I mean, and Chelsea Clinton, they were all kids when they Yeah, were... they were all kids. Now, Chelsea Clinton, people were pretty mean to oh, her. brutal. Um, just in a really awful way, and, and I don't think she deserved that looking back. Um, but Hunter Biden is completely different because he's so much older, right? I mean, he's... I don't know how old he is. I think he's older than me, though. I think he's in the early 50s. He's... Yeah, right, because Joe Biden is fucking 80. Right. Um, so even if he had his son when he was... 30, he would be right, 50. Right, he would be 50, which is insane. Okay. Um, but that's what you're dealing with, with with Hunter Biden, right? Like, so normally you would say, keep kids out of this, but Hunter Biden, while mentally is a child, apparently, um, in every other he's way, shape, and form. He's a grown-ass man. He is a grown-ass man, and he's got grown-ass man problems, and however those are dealt with, they are dealt with, um, which I don't really think it'll have that much of an impact on Joe Biden. I think Republicans will do all sorts of contortionist, gumby bending and twisting to try to make a connection between Hunter and Joe. Um, now, mind you, we've already, the FBI, the DOJ, have already looked at Hunter Biden's laptop and said, look, the best we're going to do is maybe some gun charges, maybe some tax fraud, and, and maybe some money laundering, but there's not a connection to Joe. Maybe there's a connection to the uncle, but there's not a lot. Other than that, there, what do you want to do with it? And the Republicans in Congress are saying, apparently, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do everything. They, with they it. latched onto it during the 2020 election. That was their big political victory was, we're going to prove this about Hunter Biden. It was purely a hatchet job about a guy who's clearly a flawed human. Um, I wouldn't say it's purely a hatchet job because Hunter Biden did take his laptop and just leave it at some place with some blind guy who had blind fealty to Trump. And here we are, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to say it's a complete hatchet job because the laptop is real. The information on the laptop is real. Hunter Biden legitimately dropped it off, apparently, I don't know, between a bender or on a bender or whatever, 
and left it with the guy. The guy's policy is like, once you leave it, it's mine. I can do what I want with it. And what he decided to do was go through it and then give it to Rudy Giuliani, who then gave it to the FBI, and now we're here. Um, Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it is what it is. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to come to the defense of Hunter Biden and say that they, they shouldn't investigate him. I think it's a waste of money. I think somebody should probably investigate him, right? But do we need an entire congressional committee to do it? Probably not, but they're going to do it anyway. So here we are. And they've kind of backed themselves in a corner now. If you're soft on Hunter Biden, you're soft on the liberals and you're whatever. Um, uh, we, I do want to talk about, there was a shooting at the University of Virginia. Um, three football players were, were killed. Uh, there's been a suspect arrested. Two other people were injured. Yeah, um, and it was just a, it's a, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of details other than the shooter was a former v, uh, University of Virginia player, but not of any, like, high right. stature, right? right. Like, he never got was on the, the team, never got on the field, was off the team. Then the, the three players that were killed, um, they were currently on the team. They all seem to have, you know, really good standing in the community, seem to be, you know, good suit, you know, guys going the right direction. Um, they were coming from a, you know, a field trip in college, right. which I don't remember taking many field trips in college, but okay, whatever. Um, but they were coming back. They were on a bus trip. They came back, and he shot them as they were coming off the bus. Um, not sure what the motive was for this. Um, haven't haven't heard that. Um, but just a, a really sad situation. University of Virginia canceled their football game this weekend against, I believe they were playing uh, Coastal, Coastal Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, okay. Um, who Coastal Carolina really developing into a really good team? They are actually. Um, you know, last few years have have had some pretty good records, but um, but yeah, I mean, to the point where the school canceled. I mean, l- listen, the school was on lockdown for hours. Um, you know, I've got a, a a friend who whose daughter is there, which I cannot believe that she is old enough to be in college. Jesus Christ! Um, but it was really scary. You know, I mean, sure. cause she was she was locked down you know, with her friends, um, you know, in, in their dorm and had no idea what to do. Like they had barricaded themselves in, um, you know, and stacked stuff against their door and were hiding the best they could in their dorm room. Um, you know, like texting and, and FaceTiming with my buddy and, you know, like his wife, like had to keep him from going there. She's just like, look, you're you're not going to be able to get a flight. That's you're going to drive. Ter- it's a terrible spot right, to be like in it's a hard, Right, and and I I felt for him, um, you know, because I was not doing a good job. He was like, I'm going to get in the car and go. I was like, all right, I will go with you. Right, um, you know, and it, you know, his wife came out on the on the other side and said, no, that's that's not the smart move. Unfortunately, everything worked out. Right. But I mean, just an awful situation. And then shortly thereafter, immediately politicized. Um, as argument for gun control, but then the issue is Biden comes out and says, well, you know, this is terrible. We need to ban assault rifles, right? And the, the kid used a handgun. Right. Right. Now, you can argue about semantics, but listen, that shit fucking matters. When you're talking about making laws and you're talking about banning certain things, like, language matters. And the people who are levying... <laughs> these 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 accusations and these and, and demanding these changes, you know, should 
be very careful about the words that they use and be very intentional and specific. Now, some could argue, well, Biden is being intentional. He wants to ban assault, rof- assault rifles. And we've talked about it on the show. Listen, gun- all guns are dangerous. Right. Right. It's all of them are made, dangerous. They're made to be. They're, they're, you know, they're all designed to kill. Um, you know, and, and in this particular instance, he used a handgun very different than an assault rifle. So is Biden being intentional by saying, I want to ban assault rifles, which means any anything, whether it's a rifle or a shotgun or anything that can be semi-automatic, right? Because now at some point in time, we have to start to get into actual definitions of these things. And what do you mean by an assault rifle? Because he didn't use, by your definition of assault rifle, he used a handgun here. So are you saying the weapon that he used was an assault rifle or... Are you saying handguns are fine, but you're but you really want to ban assault rifles, be, and that's that's your thing, even though that's what wasn't what was used to do here. With, right. So you're being intentional about your language, or are you saying anything that's semi-automatic should be considered an assault weapon, right? Because you can't call a handgun a rifle, but so right. now it's an assault weapon, and so anything that's semi-automatic is an assault weapon, uh, an, an assault weapon, it needs to be banned, right? And so that lack of clarity. And that lack of intentionality and in, in the language that they use, it shouldn't be overlooked. They need to be held to account. They need to be very clear on what they mean um, because that definitely matters, right? Because all of a sudden, if Biden flips and says, well, I just think all semi-automatic guns need to be banned and I'm, gonna, and I'm going to push for it, now that, that, now that puts me in a, a, a real quandary. Right in terms of who to vote for, because if that is the the, the rhetoric the rhetoric that you're going to, that all just we just right. need to ban all guns. Well, I, then I am completely done with you. you the, know? the thing is this: in all likelihood, Joe Biden knows dick about guns, and more importantly, probably most of the people working for him don't know anything about guns. When you get to the the East Coast elite mentality. They just don't understand. They only see guns as what they see as bad stuff on TV and what they see as bad stuff on the streets. And they're completely um, clueless as to what to actually do. The SAFE Act in New York was passed by um, Andrew Cuomo. It was one of the dumbest gun laws ever. And it was in response to Sandy Hook because something bad happened in a neighboring state. But also, I believe Andrew Cuomo at the time believed that was his ticket to national prominence as a Democrat. I think Joe Biden sees this as a politically winning issue. And as we have said a hundred times on the show, it's not a nope. winning issue for Democrats. In fact, it's a crippling issue that you've said if they would just leave that issue alone, no, they'd be better I've off. I said if they flip. Okay. So the I guys, said, okay. I've said if the Democrats flip on guns, do a full 180, right? And just all the Shannon Watts of the world just said, you know what? We're done with you. Our main thing is to protect the Second Amendment. You have your guns. You have your rights. Don't kill people. Be responsible and move, move, move on. I promise you that those motherfuckers would not lose an election for twenty fucking years. Now, this time when I misquoted you, you were here, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. The, the message is so lost on these guys. Um, and 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 look, and there are people out there who are very anti-gun who lose their shit when I say that, right? More guns isn't the answer. I'm like, well, more gun laws ain't the answer. Well, and no one's yeah, I mean, more guns. Right, and no one's already and, and, more right. guns like, than people. Look, there's, we already have more guns than people. You cannot put that toothpaste back in the tube. I'm sorry. You're right. You know, and, you, and, and, and look, 
the only way you're gonna the only way you're gonna fix that problem of more guns, right, than people, is to get those guns off the street. Which means that you then need your um, you know, ATF. ATF to go in and start confiscating confiscating guns. And I can tell you that will not go well. I can just tell you, no, it, it and won't. that's not me issuing a threat. What I'm telling you, there are people out there that if you go to their home to take their guns, you're going to have to fight them for it for them with guns and understand that will not go well. There will be a loss of life that is completely unacceptable because it's avoidable because that is insane to do. Right? You're just in this country. I'm sorry, you live in a country that was founded on you have the First Amendment followed by the Second Amendment, which protects the first, right? So in a country like that, that has had guns, that has had just, and you can argue that it was a bad stance and it was a bad way to go and that, you know, they didn't anticipate guns becoming what they were and they didn't anticipate urban ghettos and all these problems and so we have to change. Okay, fine. You're going to have to figure out another way to fix these problems than saying, all right, we're just going to ban guns and we're going to go take them from people. Because I promise you, you are going to get good guys killed. You're going to yeah. get ATF agents killed. You're going to get sheriffs killed. You're going to get police killed at a way more rapid rate than they're being killed right now. If you think that you're going to go in and take people's guns from them, you are insane. And I'm sorry if you don't like it. Take your ass to another fucking country without guns. You right? know, you're going to have to solve this problem using your fucking brains for once. You're going to have to start to address the issues that are causing people to go crazy and shoot people. That's yeah. how you're going to have to do it. I'm sorry. Is it hard? Yes. Is there a silver bullet, pun intended? No. There's no easy answer. There's no easy fix. You're going to have to fucking do work. And that's the problem. Nobody wants to do work. They just want the magic, one magic bill that solves all the problems so that they can get credit for it and pat themselves on the back and smell their own farts. I'm sorry. That's not how this is going to fucking work. You're going to have to get in there and get to the root causes. And if you don't get to the root causes, you're going to still have these same problems. And if you think that you can just do this sweeping thing where you just ban guns or ban ammunition or go take guns, well, you're going to have a, you're going to have a fucking fight on your hands. Well, and the thing is, if nine out of ten people had the government come to them and say, you know, you know, give up your guns, okay, that one in ten that isn't is going to be a problem. And if not, if if my job is safe nine out of ten days, I don't want that job. Right. And uh, here's the problem. The other thing too, government isn't going like. And here's the issue: the government is going like you put gun ban, gun confiscation, all that stuff in. They're not going. They're, they're not going. To, they're not going to start in the suburbs, right? They're, they're not going to start in Rocky River, Ohio. They're not going to start uh, out in in DuPage County, Illinois, right? Th that's not where this shit is going to start. The shit is going to start where in the in the urban centers, right? right? And you're going to swap out your war on drugs with the war on guns, and now it's just it's just going to be shootouts. Right? Like, that's, that's all it's going to be. Right? It's going to be a fucking bloodbath across the board for both sides. Right? Like, so this whole issue, uh, they're just going, they're going about it the wrong way. I don't, like, you, you, you can try it if you want. Um, you know, you do so at your own peril. Because we agreed we were going to keep the show short so we could both go watch football, I really want to jump to the Jeff Saturday thing. Because you and I had a conversation about this the other day. And I've... I'll let you 
do your do your thoughts on. So Jeff Saturday was hired as the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts when Frank Reich was fired, if you didn't already know that. And there was no process. It was just, you're the coach now. And yeah, so there's a couple schools of thought here. Uh, one, Jeff Saturday, his only experience was coaching a high school team for a short amount of time, I think somewhere in Georgia. Um, the Colts fired Frank Wright and said, we need a replacement in here. We need a spark. So they bring in Jeff Saturday. Um, now, look, Jeff Saturday played in league for 15 years or however long it yeah, was. Long was a very good player, a uh, very respected player, knows the game. And, you know, at the time he was an analyst for ESPN, um, you know, doing their you know NFL coverage. And uh, Jim Irsay from the Colts calls him up and says, you're now our head coach. Jeff Saturday accepts, accepts the job. Um, on the one hand, you know, like, look, if somebody's willing to hire you, whether you're qualified uh, or not, uh, if you think you can do the job, you take the job, it is what it is. Right. Um, I think for Jim Ursay and for the NFL, the problem is, is that you've got a league Um, even future players in some instances, um, by fans, um, and, you know, by even by people within the, the NFL itself, that they're doing a poor job of, of addressing hiring minority coaches, hiring black coaches, hiring non-white coaches, and that the, the buddy system, the, the good old boy system, um, the lack of merit that's used to put people in these positions of of uh, ascension in the league, whether it's coach, general manager, um, you know, offensive co coordinator, things like that. Um, like the, the entire system is flawed in that it is, it's pitted against, um, you know, we'll say black coaches primarily, but, but, um, but it's just pitted against non-white coaches, right? Um, so then to just go out and then, all right, we're just gonna hire this guy without any experience, and you've got guys like Eric Bieniemy who have been on the sideline as assistants in certain roles, um, not getting opportunities to be head coaches, um, constantly not, you know, like either not being interviewed or when they're interviewed being looked over. But then Jeff Saturday, not even trying to be a coach, right? Just right. doing his thing on ESPN and just like, hey, now you're our coach, right? There's an issue there. The, the thing I've got, got to say, though, is the, try, trying to apply the Rooney rule no, mid-season. this isn't about the Rooney rule. Okay, all right, well. This is just about, you right. just went out and hired your drinking buddy, some random-ass white dude from ESPN, yeah. to take a job that there are dozens of black coaches around the NFL right now who will never get, it, who will never get an opportunity to be, to be a head coach. Not for any other reason than people are going to look at their name, they're going to look at their picture and say, nah. But in this case... Not in, not, just, I don't give a fuck about the Rooney role. Just, well, okay, okay, okay. It's but just, just the reality just, of the situation. In, in general, though, who you're going to, the fact that they didn't promote someone internally kind of shocked me. Well, yeah. Because, because you can't go get Eric Bieniemy to be your interim head coach midseason. Agreed. And so, you know, it's an awkward spot. Frankly, I think it was kind of dumb to fire Frank Reich midseason because he's had four quarterbacks in four years. He's, Matt Ryan was an unmitigated disaster. Um... Now, here's the, here's the problem, though, with both of our arguments here. 
The Colts go out higher just Saturday. We all say that was a dumb move. And then the Colts turn around and fucking win. <laughs> there, there is that. Right? Like, they put Matt Ryan back in as a starter, as as a as a, as a opposed to the kid out of Texas. Uh, Erlinger. El- Ellinger. Ellinger. Um, who, I mean, the kid, I mean, listen, Ellinger's issue is that he's a little undersized. He doesn't have great arm strength. Um, and he's not all that accurate, but he's got a lot of moxie. So, I mean, he's not a good quarterback. Like, he doesn't check any of the quarterback boxes, but... Got a lot of fire, I guess. I don't okay. know. Um, good enough to make an NFL roster, whether it's a backup or not. So he's got that going for him. I, yeah, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> no one, no one's. If he got cut today, there's no one who's grabbing him right away. Right. I mean, he'd probably get another job. But I would argue that Ellinger and Nate Peterman should probably be working at you know an accounting. Firm you can't. Somewhere. You can't do that to Ellinger and put him in the right. Nate Peterman um, category. You cannot you know, do like that. Some of these guys just whatever. Well, but you know to. To my point, though, um, you know, the Colts come out and win. Now, I think the reality is, though, here's the thing. And this actually leads more to the argument about why are there not more black coaches, right? The reality is, Jeff Saturday probably should be a decent coach because he's been around, he was around the game for so long. He was an elite player, but it wasn't because he was that much more talented, right? Because he was actually an undersized lineman, yeah, yeah. offensive lineman. Um, and the reason why he was so good is because he was so smart. He knew the game, right? He knew what the defense was going to do. He knew what the offense was, how the offense was supposed to run, right? I mean, his quarterback was Peyton Manning for all those years. Right. Um, you know, he played under, uh, under Tony Dungy, right? He, he, he played under, well, he played Jim Caldwell. Like he played with some, he played under some really good coaches, he had a really good quarterback. He himself was a really smart guy. So he checks all the boxes as to why he should be a good player. Good coach. Or a good coach. Um, and to the black players who are complaining about there's not enough black NFL coaches, that's their point. Right? Like, you keep hiring this guy who's the son of a coach and who's the nephew of this guy or, you know, this guy uh, is the is the son-in-law of a guy who coached with Bill Walsh 30 fucking years ago, but he's still getting a job in the NFL, even though the kid, he, he hasn't played football beyond high school because he had two left feet. But you give him a job because he really likes the NFL like everybody else because of who he knows, right? Yeah. As, oh. as opposed to what he knows, right? Well, you take a guy like a Jeff Saturday, and he's like, I know the game because I literally was the game, right? Like, you can actually see, like, I am actually in the games that they put on Xbox right. and, and PlayStation, right? So, like, that makes sense that Jeff Saturday is able to put together a game plan and actually figure this out, right? Like, not to say that just because you're a player it makes you a good coach, but there's there's something to that, right? Like, you you watch, you, you, see, you know how practices are, are supposed to operate. You know when you're playing for a good coach. You know when you're playing for a bad coach. He experienced both. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a good – there – there's nothing. There's nothing based off of his experience that says he should be a bad coach, right. right? The question is, can he do it or can he not? Because some people can, some people can't, right? And the argument for players is, there should be more of us who look like us who get an opportunity because we're so closely connected to this game, having played it for extended periods of time, right? Like having played it at every level, having played it at a professional level for long periods of time, knowing the game, having high IQs, you know, as it relates to sports. And, and being around it, like, they should get more opportunities, right? And I think even Deion Sanders is proving that right now. 
um, with what he's doing down at Jackson State, right? The guy who really didn't have a lot of experience, you know, running an right. entire program, and yet, bam, he has turned that program around. Why? Because he knows the game, right? And so that's the argument for coaches. So the Jeff Saturday hire on its face, you're just like, oh, it's so offensive. But actually, no, it makes sense. It's what black players have been saying forever. It's just that, like, all right, so if you can do it for Jeff Saturday, then then can't, why can't you do it for a Heinz Ward, right? Like, right. why Heinz Ward Ryan has Hart. to go be a, 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 a coach's grad assistant, you know, and then go coach in the XFL, right, and the different iterations of the USFL and all the other shit to go be maybe get to a coordinator level and then maybe get to a head coach, right? And that's where the complaint is for a lot of players, both black and white. Like Joe Thomas was the one who came out and oh, yeah, eviscerated this whole thing. Heinz Ward, that's the process that he's gone through to this point. He was literally a grad, basically the same. And had, is working his way up through, right? And you could say, right, whoa, he should have to work his way up. No one should be given anything. But then you can't sit there and go that no one should be given anything and then turn around and up. Intellectual well, consistency. Here. Yeah, and, and the one thing, um, so there, there used to be almost no black analysts on sports talk. Now, there's a lot. And that... Again, people who understand the game, they're close to the game. Um, you know, they're, they're articulate and they, they know what they're talking about. And I would argue that just Saturday made the biggest mistake here because being an analyst is probably a pretty good paying job. It's a whole lot less stressful and demanding than the amount of hours head coaches in the NFL put in. <laughs> right, like so, just Saturday, you don't need money. Right, like you've got your NFL, you've got your money you made in the NFL, not to mention your NFL pension, not to mention whatever ESPN is paying you. Right, and you've got your freedom. You can you can do those shows from wherever. You can have an off season. <laughs> right, like you have an off season. You get to travel. Like you don't have to deal with, you know, like the just the long hours and the travel that's related to the NFL season and the grind and the because after as soon as the season's over, if they keep you as head coach, then you immediately have to go and start to look at, you, you know, like draft prospects, and then you have to go and you have to do the draft, and then there's free agency and all that other shit. Also, what the fuck is your contract? Do you even know? Like, right. I mean, there's just a lot that you have to do. You have to dig. So I'm, I am probably in agreement with you there, right? And and I, I'm, I'm in full agreement because for years I argued that Bill Cowher was never going back into coaching because why? Right. He'd made millions of dollars. Right, he's he had, still making right, great money. He, he made millions of dollars. He still gets paid a million dollars a year to do the NFL season during the season only. Um, he can, you know, be with his girls, be with his family, and not have to deal with all the shit you have to deal with as a head coach. And I proved to be right on that one. Right, <laughs> Jeff Saturday. What the fuck are you thinking? When, <laughs> when when the Bills were going after Bill Cowher, they actually put out a billboard inviting Bill Cowher to come to Buffalo. And oh, I think maybe God. we talked about that at yeah. the time. It was just like, he's not doing it, folks. Right. I mean, there were at rumors. At that time, his wife was sick, too. Yeah, his was... wife was dying. Um, there were rumors here in Cleveland that he owned, he had bought a house here. And, you know, completely unreliable sources doing reckless, reckless speculation. Like Bill Cowher, have only had, you know, four, four head coaches, right? 
Bill Cower, my top three. Am I missing a coach? Uh, yeah. Um, do you, who'd you say first? Chuck Noll. Chuck Noll, okay. Bill Cower. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. Certainly in the last 50 years, they've had three coaches. I mean, like, well, yeah, prior to... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, prior to Chuck Noll and whoever you had. Yeah. But, I mean, like, so, you know, but that's a high-pressure job. Yeah. Right? Like, the Steeler fan base is just, is brutal. Um, like, a lot of these fan bases... Um, you know, you do it for 10, 15 years, whatever, it just, it takes its toll on you, right? Like, so sure. there was just no, it makes, it, there's no way he was coming back. The only, the difference between him and Jeff Saturday, Jeff Saturday went from playing to being an, to being an analyst, right? Because Bill, Bill, Bill Cower played, he was a special teams guy, played in the NFL, I think he actually played for the Browns. Um, but, you know, Jeff Saturday being younger, um, you know, maybe still being hungry for accomplishment, yeah. so maybe he takes that he takes that leap. But well, he, did. <laughs> um, he he did. Well, yeah, he definitely did. We'll, we'll see if it sticks and 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 if he gets on the coaching carousel or if it's just a short lived thing. Um, one thing one thing I want to say before we go: Elizabeth Holmes sentenced to eleven years. She was the founder of Theranos, uh, the company with the blood testing that was kind of was basically Smoking a giant mirrors. scam. <laughs> Um, and you know, she was really shocked. She, she looks pregnant. Is she she pregnant? is very she pregnant. Is yes. Very pregnant. Okay. Um, and the term very pregnant was in the article I read about her. A very uh, pregnant. Well, looking... no, cause I mean like her, I mean, she was, I, she was wearing all black. So I, I, you know, whatever, but she's definitely pregnant. So, um, that's an unfortunate situation. Just, you know, with the baby being born, you know, mom, mom in prison, on her, way to prison but yeah. her going to prison is unfortunate. I mean, it's unfortunate for her. But that's where she deserves to be. Eleven years seems right. Um, I wouldn't, you know. Some people are like she deserves more. Like, all right, come on. Like, I mean, like, listen, she, she got money. She got a lot of money out of people who have a lot of money. Um, you know, some people lost a lot of money with her, so she should be punished. But I, I'm not looking for her to go to jail for life or anything right. like that. But eleven years is, listen, again, long fucking. We've talked about it. If you've never been in jail. You know, you go spend a, a, a day or a week in jail and then tell me that 11 years isn't long enough. Um, but but she's going to Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street prison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not going to be a hard time. You know, it's not going to be the prison camp that Brittany Griner is in by any stretch of the correct. imagination. Um, but look, it's still, it's still jail. Um, so, yeah. you know. Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> good luck with be, that, Lizzie. Be, being free would be preferable if you were her. All right, man, let's wrap this up. Uh, well, there's one thing I want to talk about. Twitter, real quick. Okay, sure. Elon Musk is apparently trying to burn Twitter down, um, which is interesting. Is he trying to or is he just doing it by accident? I don't know what he's doing, and I don't know what to think about it, right? Like, people are just like, oh, my God, Twitter is going to hell. But they're saying it on Twitter, and it's working fine. But I did find an article that there are places where Twitter is definitely showing signs of... Uh, collapse in different countries because you know people were fired from those countries and they basically stabilized it in those places and now they're not there so now it is um, having some serious issues uh, even completely crashed and so the question is if Elon Musk continues to do this thing where he feels like he doesn't need workers everything can be automated and that his you know just the aura of his creativity will save it then Twitter could have problems but I think some of the Twitter is going to just automatically shut down one day. I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, is Elon Musk going to make it better or burn it to the ground? I think it, that's TBD. 
Agreed. Um, Although it, it does seem like quite the shit show over there, but I, I don't know. Do, do, but I'm sure you heard this, but for anyone who hasn't, so he basically got rid of 50% of his staff and then said, okay, we need some of you back. Yeah. And then he said, but we only want people who are, I forget what term he used, but super committed or whatever. Super dedicated. Super dedicated, whatever. Yep. And so he said, you can either have a three-month severance, pa- severance package or make your every breathing hour dedicated to Twitter. And a whole bunch of folks said, I'll no. take the three months. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people, say, like he, he, and he was surprised, right? There were no takers. Um, and so I guess he's starting to, uh, like the big, I guess the big sticking point is the whole remote work. Right, people are just like, if I got to come into the office, I'm not working there. And so, you know, he takes the hardline approach. You know, you got to be in the office and you got to be the most dedicated. And they're like, all right, well, fuck you. You're this thing you just spent forty-four billion dollars on isn't going to have anyone who works there. I'm going to go work for Microsoft or I'm going right. to go work for whoever General Electric. Um, and so now he's trying to figure out how to like get those people back and still right. get his way and whatever. I mean. You know, if Twitter goes down, I think that that's a problem, unfortunately, because we get so much news instantly from Twitter. Yes. And you're, you're very accurate, very active on Twitter. I am, but I mean, in, and I'm there a lot because that's where you get breaking news first, right? Or I'm not in front of a TV, right? Um, or, you know, I mean, because it just consolidates it, even though you got to sift through a lot of shit. It consolidates it, and it happens faster. Like a reporter will say something on Twitter before they actually put the story out, right? Like so, going to Google News or going to another news source, the best you may get is just an AP report that something happened. More details to come, where you can have someone on Twitter who's actually there in the moment, live tweeting, right? And so you know exactly what's going on with you know taking point the Virginia the. Uh, University of Virginia shooting we talked about earlier, right? I was following that through live tweets um, as opposed to the news because the new, like, it's just hard to get it from on the ground to the news where Twitter, anyone with a phone, especially a reporter or whoever, can take care of it. And so if it goes down, definitely a problem. Um, and that could point to even bigger issues, right? Like, well, again, we, re- we re-examine the role of social media and especially sites like Twitter and Facebook that have so much utility beyond just the social, fun connectivity aspect, um, but it, I I don't know if that's if if we're really going to the point where Twitter's going to go black in anytime soon, or if you know Elon Musk is kind of just going through a process of trying to figure out how it works and what the best combination is, which we know that's what he's doing. But the question is, will he burn it down before he gets to a point of maximum efficiency? The problem with Elon Musk, who I've typically been a fan of, is his ego is massive. And when people try to run things with a massive ego, sometimes they... It's just so weird that you were such a fanboy of his, because this, like, I was never, I was never a huge Elon Musk fan. I thought he had done some cool shit. I thought, you know, Tesla and the solar stuff was cool, but, again, you could tell, like, he, again, I'm going to use this phrase again, he just loves the smell of his own farts, and that seems like such a turnoff. I just thought it was bizarre that you were such a fan. I was a fan mostly because of the Hyperloop, which has not come into effect yet. But the idea of changing transportation, getting away from uh, what it would take to build high-speed rail and improving that uh, potential means of transportation fascinated me. And I also didn't really look into the guy's background. I didn't realize he was kind of born rich. 
you know, I knew he was fabulously wealthy. I knew about Tesla. Um, and so you kind of bought into the whole bootstrap, self-made man, and uh, not even so much a bootstrap thing as this guy's a. I thought the guy was just a genius. It turns out apparently he's really good at hiring smart people, which is a talent. And it appears that his ego has now gotten to really good at surrounding himself with telling people how great his farts smell, if I can steal your <laughs> phrase. And when you surround yourself with yes men and you have a massive ego, things rarely go well. Yeah, but what's weird, I don't even know if he surrounded himself with yes men. I think he surrounds himself with really smart people. They say things he doesn't agree with, and so then he fires them. Oh, but okay. I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, which is a little bit different, right? Oh, like, okay, yes, it is. Trump hires people that he knows will never tell him no. Right, or he doesn't think we'll tell him no, and then when they do, they don't really tell him no. They just kind of quit, right? John right. Kelly, to, you know, those those type, you know, Rex Tillerson or whatever. Rex, uh, yeah, well, Scaramucci. <laughs> Ten days, um, you know. I I don't know if I, I don't I don't think Musk is as bad as Trump in that regard, but I think that he does get into these confrontations and then ultimately pulls the ultimate card of, well, well I, you're well, fired. Yeah, well, but you're but, not but, wrong. But you're not wrong. Your analysis isn't wrong at all. I'm just, you know, just trying to drill it down. But either way. Weed out just, the non-yes man is cut. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Agreed. Just slavery with extra steps. You won't get. It is a reference I don't get. But there's other people who get it. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. We are at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter, which we hope will still be around, and we're done. <laughs>